Hello, you're listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is Sarah Jensen, my wife. Hello. Um, a little caveat before we begin this episode is that the thoughts here within <laughs> are just current experiment of thought. Fresh. Fresh thoughts um, in no way uh, are answers. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and... and Finding answers may not come with, except for within. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, kind of a big topic, so. Um, but before we jump into that conversation, I uh, just want to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the Jensen AV Club. That is our Patreon page where we have patrons over there who are get access to director's commentary, early access to the podcast, Sarah's monthly newsletter, personal one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, and many more things that you can check out by going to jensenav.club. That is our premium membership platform through Patreon that just allows us to continue making the art that we love making without having to worry about making art that sells um, so that we can keep consumerism and materialism at bay <laughs> at a minimum yes um so thank you to all of our current um jensen av club members and this episode is produced by christian b schmidt thank you all right so this episode um is titled existential crisis yes um because would you like to tell the story yeah um well, I just find it a little humorous. So we had a friend in town on a layover the other day, and we kind of got into a bunch of conversations, just all these things that you and I have been talking about together, but haven't had anybody else to really bounce the ideas off of. Mm -hmm. And he has been our friend for so long, so it just was so natural. It all came up. And then the next morning I woke up, it was like 7 a.m., and you're reading on your phone. And it just, I was like, what are you reading? Because it just seemed weird that you were like so involved in your phone at like 7 or 8 a.m., whatever it was. And you're like, about existential crisis. And I was like, why? <laughs> and you're like, um, I don't, I think I might be having one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, not to downplay the fact that you might be having an existential crisis, but it was just so good. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that story. Um, so yeah, I, it's kind of weird because I turned 30 two weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, and turning 30, having a birthday, I don't feel like has anything to do with the way I'm feeling. I would at, say no. As I would far agree as, with you. as far as like the number just clicking over to the next one, like right. I don't, I don't, I don't feel any pressure, anxiety about becoming 30 i would agree that this has nothing to do with turning 30 it just happens to <laughs> right but it happens to coincide with the fact that i just turned 30 and i might be having a quarter-life crisis i mean i don't know i think the thing for me is so it's a little strange because i mean i'm used to having existential crises i think i have like one a week you know mm. like my whole life is an existential crisis but it's really weird to see you kind of uh I guess faltering or like questioning. Mm -hmm. Not so much that you don't ask questions ever because that's why we started this whole podcast is because we like asking questions, but there's like a difference in like, I don't know. You're just always so sure. Even if you don't have the answer, you're always just so sure. And like, it's weird to see you not so positive about whatever it is you're doing. Okay, before we jump into that, I do want to, let's just establish a baseline um, uh -huh. for 
what is even the what even is an existential yeah. crisis? What is the definition of that? Yeah. Um, so according to www.wikipedia.org, um, <laughs> an existential crisis is a moment at which an individual questions if their life has meaning, purpose, or value. It may be commonly, but not necessarily, tied to depression and inevitably negative speculations on purpose in life. Um, I, wow. as an example, if one day I will be forgotten, what is the point of all my work? The issue of meaning and purpose of human existence is a major focus of the uh, philosophical tradition of existentialism. Yeah, I stand by the fact of what I said a second ago that I have an existential <laughs> crisis every week. <laughs> um, and then I found another website. Um, that uh, describes existential crisis as psychologists define existential crisis as as a turning point. Um, it is a moment when you feel the need to find meaning or purpose in your own life. Um, an existential crisis can happen when you're under stress or facing a difficult decision. Mm. It can also happen at quite a time when life seems pointless um, or you are disconnected from others around you. Oh, the fact that you have existential crisis doesn't mean that you'll never have another one. The world changes constantly, and so do you. You may re-examine the existential givens at any time as your way of being in the world changes. So that definition is kind of interesting because it brings up a couple of things that we've been talking a lot about, like personally, you know, like community being one, like not being around your people mm -hmm. has really been affecting you and, well, me too, but like I think specifically your creativity, it's been affecting your creativity. Um, and also, like, when you're facing a difficult decision, hmm. um, I think both of those are true right now. So back to what you were saying mm -hmm. a moment ago. It was just, like, I've always been sure. Yeah. And things like that. But that's one thing for me, too, is, like, it's not that I've lost confidence. Because right. I'm still very confident in what I do. I'm very confident in my skills and abilities. I'm just no longer confident that... Um, I am ultimately pursuing what truly matters in life. And ultimately, if I am, what I am contributing to society is well, actually making society a better place. Right. I was about to say, it's not that you're not sure in what you're doing. I think that you're just not sure in the purpose of what you're doing, which makes a big difference in how you feel about what you're doing mm -hmm. and especially for you i think because you've always been it's never been about like money or anything like that for you there's no it's but it's always been like a concrete goal and yeah. i think you don't have that right now i think like the purpose of what you're doing is kind of lost i don't think it's yeah. so much that you're not confident in who you are or your skills yeah i think maybe it's just the purpose behind it that you can't really find probably because your worldview has been a little shaken up about, um, I guess like for an example, like you're such an entrepreneur, like you love building businesses and you're really good at it, right? Mm -hmm. But we have, as we've been living in New York and I think maybe I've had a little bit of influence in this, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> about like um, uh, just the business side of things, I don't really love. Like, I have a hard time sometimes getting behind the business ideas because mostly to me it's it's very – I think it takes the purity away from things sometimes. And so I think putting that influence on you 
has made you ask questions about, because you're such a business guy and you're really good at it and there's nothing wrong with business, but I just think maybe with all of the questions you've been going through and asking, you, you've lost like that purpose of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I think about um, there is nothing wrong with business, but then I think in our American capitalistic society, the two main things that especially men fall into are sports and business Mm -hmm. because those are the two most measurable definitions of success right those are two things that you can say i did this outcome was this right here's this step this step this step now i'm and i you find purpose in that you find meaning in right because everyone loves a concrete goal because checking things off a list and so as like I guess just having a man's like, you know, ego, Uh it's like, am I, do I love business because that isn't innately who I am or did I love business because that is the society that I fell into of showing my, um, you know, basically showing up like I, I, I'm not a sports person. I can't. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I can't show up on the field and and show like, hey, here is my skill set. I can prove that I can score around or you know whatever it is, and but I can step into a business scenario and and show well on the outside that I can do this. Yes, I agree, but I also think you have to go back to uh, childhood because that's before you knew any sort of social constructs. That's before anybody taught you anything that was you know acceptable, mm-hmm. right? What have you always been an entrepreneur? I mean, you were five, five years old working at the concession stands, like for tips, Cody's Mm -hmm. college fund. Like you have always been an entrepreneurial business person. So I think like that's something important too to think about is like, yes, maybe society has structured things for you or whatever. But if you go back to childhood before you even knew everything that was expected of you by society like you Mm -hmm. were still that entrepreneurial individual so i think that 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 has been you forever i don't think that has anything to do with what has been deemed acceptable yeah uh i don't disagree my i guess my questioning it it maybe starts there but mostly it ends up in the fact of okay these are my skill sets i have the ability to you know, be an entrepreneur, but how can I use entrepreneurial skills in actually participating in things that matter and and that ultimately make the society better more than making society feel like they need whatever I'm trying to sell them. Right. Because I don't want to, I mean, we had like an hour and a half conversation about that. I mean, because I think that was, I think even if you go back and listen to that episode, I think that is almost like finding language to how I'm feeling. And like, that is part of my existential crisis is like rejecting all capitalism, not necessarily capitalism, consumerism, right? rejecting consumerism and especially materialism. Um, and then wrapping that up into rejecting vanity. Right. Um, and but- all of that, just trying to find like, it's almost like rejecting everything to the maximum in order to build it back up to something that actually matters. Which sounds exactly like something you would do. I mean, <laughs> I think, well, it sounds like something I would do too. Like, I, um, 
I think, well, I always like to say that I, I can't get better until I hit rock bottom. Like Mm -hmm. I have to allow myself to just totally self-destruct. Like it's just something that happens. I can't, I, I'm aware of it, but I can't stop it. You know, I feel like that's a little bit in the same vein of like what you're doing because even your language is like super harsh. You know, you're like rejecting all materialism, but that's not actually what you mean. Like you don't, you don't mean that because you still value quality products. Like, right. you know what I mean? So it's not, it's not that that is your true belief necessarily. I think that you do hate materialism. I'm, you know, but I, I think your language is harsher than what your actual belief is yeah. because you're trying to figure it out, right. which is the hard part. The hard part is having an existential crisis and then having to rebuild your belief system from that, you know? Yeah, and I think in that, it's it's mostly comes down to conspicuous consumption and materialism. Right, that, if we're talking specifically material goods. Yeah, yes. it's like, it's not about never buying anything. It's not about never selling anything. And it's not about rejecting th- uh, the free market as a whole. Right. It is that conspicuous consumption, that is the fact of of buying things to show that you can buy them, wearing things to say like, I can afford this, um, that type of thing. And then just materialism in general of just that. um, Let let me actually read the definition of materialism because I think it's a good like baseline. Materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Right, which uh, 100%, yeah. That definition right there is everything that I'm rejecting because right. ultimately what matters is it's like your own like spiritual values and not just like not sp- Western religion, not but faith, like but in just spiritual values and um, your spirit, yes, your, your heart, your in your like health. internal health and everything about that and how much our Western culture has lifted and perpetuated this like worship of material items right versus like what actually focusing on what matters in life and my fight i guess like this whole rejection of it is trying to figure out okay how do i participate in the material world right without crossing the line into materialism into pushing the thing you don't believe in pushing into consumerism right and and mostly pushing into conspicuous consumerism right i absolutely agree but i think the thing is is that your problem well it is with a you know a consumeristic society etc etc because obviously that impacts like everything but the existential crisis Mm -hmm. i think is that you don't know how to going forward apply that to work because or, or your passions, I guess I should say, not not just work, but your passions. Because historically, I guess, I don't really know like actual figures and facts, but ad, like advertising is art. Art is advertising the quickest, the easiest, the most sure way to, um, you know, feed yourself, mm-hmm. which is an an important like it's necessary you can't survive without at least a little bit of money right that's the bottom line is that you have to provide for yourself and the most sure way of doing that as an artist is to sell sell in quotes your art to 
commercialism to whether that looks like, you know, being a YouTuber who's like or an influencer or it looks like freelancing for companies, right? Like either way, you're still sort of selling your time and your art to create a commercial or an advert for somebody that maybe is a part of a system you don't believe in, right? right. So that is the existential crisis is how going forward do I remain an artist who can feed himself mm-hmm. <laughs> and not support a belief system that I don't believe in. Right. And even uh, to build on top of that, to not take, um, in my view, society deeper into what is the problem. Right. Because, I mean, it's not like one person can change the whole system, but... If some, if you go along with the system, you sure as heck aren't changing anything. Right. It's like, so, I mean, why? It's just the fact of saying like, well, it's just, there's no way I can change it. So I just have to participate in it. Right. It's like, if we all do that, then it, it then uh, we the, all, then it, the status quo stays. Like it takes, right. it takes people, like right. it takes the crazy ones, you know, that yeah. to actually make that happen. Right. Absolutely. But then again, the question remains, how do you do that and survive? Right? I don't know. Well, I know you don't know. That's the existential crisis I think that you're having. Um, And I think maybe, um, I do think maybe New York kind of elevates it because it is definitely a New York culture, right? Right. New York's culture is work. It is selling. It is going. It is hustling. It is the things that, you know, you don't necessarily agree with for your lifestyle. So I think maybe it's very like, you just can't like get away from it right now. Yes, and New York has 100% exaggerated it and yeah. brought it to the forefront of my mind because I'm constantly every day surrounded with a mentality and you know a way well, of living just, like, that I don't Times Square is like the perfect, you know what I mean? Literally you walk outside and all you see is advertising from every direction. Yeah, but it has even nothing to do with that. It has everything well, to do with the I'm way saying- every single person lives their life, walks down the street and um just goes lives this grinding life of that that work is the number one priority. Right. And there is nothing wrong with work. There is actually much I mean, like you love work. It's there, not. yeah. There is you know there is a much spiritual practice in the right. work. In, I mean, you're made for something. Creating yeah. and like we are made to work, but it is the it is the worship of work mm-hmm. that I have like I can't like mm-hmm. wrap my head around and accept. And New York is the mecca of right. work. Like it is. people. I mean, it's like you could say that um, people make a pilgrimage mm-hmm. to the mecca of work, New York City, to work themselves to death because that's what they think is ultimately the meaning of life is to, you know, build and build, build, and build, 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 build right. and work, 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 work for what end? I don't know, because right. all their goals are wrapped up in numbers. And whenever you hit a number, the only thing to go from there is to make your next make goal more numbers. a number. Right. And happiness is never in numbers right and so there's all of that then there's this other side away from materialism um it's all wrapped up in that but as i just think about growing older Mm -hmm. and as i look at examples of people who are older Mm -hmm. and start thinking about 
meaning and happiness and fulfillment. And as I look at people who are in their 50s, and especially late 50s, hitting 60, that those people that have made, you know, to those generations, that, those decades, are the some of, if not the most, happy, content humans on our in on our earth. Right. Because it's like as we grow older, you can see that every single decade you care less and less and less about what other people think about you. Yeah. You care less and less and less about presenting can, like conspicuous consumption, bring that in there. You right. care by 60 years old, you, you probably 90% yeah, you're of them don't your care. Fisher hat and yeah. You don't care. It's like has nothing to do with that with that. They have found that relationships bring fulfillment and that work is either an in like a means to an end. Right. Um or that you know finding ultimate fulfillment in work no matter how much money it is. Right. And that you know I can go on and on and on, but I'm mostly just getting to the fact of like, okay, they, these are thoughts that I was having. I was having all these thoughts, and we I even had this discussion with our friend who was in town. Like, mm-hmm. I large part of the conversation was just me saying, I don't think we have. Why, as you know, late twenties as thirty year olds, are we caring so much about all of this stuff in this bucket that we can look at? wise counsel in our life mm-hmm. of people who are in their late 50s and 60s literally don't even have that bucket anymore they poured everything out right that is not even on the radar they don't care about it and look how happy and content and like just living life to the fullest they are yeah so those are the thoughts we're having and then um this week ted radio hour they um put out a podcast that was actually a replay of a podcast and it was the absolute it was perfect timing for mm-hmm. because it basically it met me where I am at mm-hmm. it it showed up and I'm listening to this thing and I'm like this is this is exactly where I'm at in everything um and what's the title like what what is it the, is it about existential crisis <laughs> it's, it's not about existential crisis but it's, it's about shifting time and it's all about huh. our perception of time um oh okay. and one of the so I will get back to part of that in a second, but one of the main parts that that is uh, perfect for right now is that there was a segment in there with uh, a psychologist, um, Laura Karstensen, and also a psychologist, uh, Dan Gilbert. Both of them were uh, 58 and 62, Mm -hmm. right in the sweet spot. And they both just talked about how every decade – you you hit you know you hit twenty and you think oh finally this is who I am right you hit thirty and you're like oh yes this finally is who I am. this is who I am you hit forty same thing fifty same thing and they both were talking about how late fifties sixty is truly mm-hmm. the like the time whenever you actually like come into Become who you are. are because you shed so much of that right other stuff and then uh, Laura was talking about. That there is over, I don't know, this period of time, but um, study after study after study has been coming out about essentially the happiest people, Mm -hmm. the happiest like age group or whatever. Yeah. And it is late 50s to 60s. Like Mm -hmm. that is the 
like the, the time that's the epitome that, the, that's like you know the, the whatever it's like that's whenever you really come into like yourself and mm-hmm. the you know happiness and contentment and all of that type of stuff and Laura even talked about how she has young people like me, 30 year olds coming and saying, okay, you have this. How, how, how can I, I just, how can I get it now instead of having to like, wait, you know, do what, I have what, to be unhappy for 20 right. years before I what get decisions to be can I just start making now? <laughs> yeah. And she said, one of the um, ironies and beauties of growing older is that um, you lose the anxiety of the future. Yeah. Because that is a lot of where our, um, like happiness, I guess, mm-hmm. falls away. Well, because you're you're too concerned about the future that you can't experience the present. And right. I get, I kind of eye roll whenever I hear people, because I, I literally am incapable of living in the present. I'm either in the past or the future. There's no other option for me. I So to hear people say like, oh, you just need to live in the present, I kind of eye roll, because how? Like that doesn't mm-hmm. even make sense to me. But I do think that it's probably something that <laughs> that is true. Like, we don't know how to live in the present. We literally don't. All we know how to do is plan for the future now, mm-hmm. you know. And when you're late 50s, 60s, you're not planning. I mean, not that you're almost dying or anything, but you're, you've already planned your life. You're right. done, you know. Well, yes, that is like basically, in other words, what one thing that she like was talking about mm-hmm. is that when you are at this age, it's not that, you know, death is at your doorstep, but death is maybe like moved into the attic and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's hanging around. Yeah. So you might um, as well do what you want. And the, the, um, I guess your, your mortality is, mm-hmm. a, you know, mm-hmm. is brought, brought to you or whatever. Um, but it's like, you no longer, I don't know, fear it, I guess. Yeah. And, I think. Well, I think you just come to like a realization that, death is inevitable right whereas we are so scared of death because we haven't accomplished what we want to accomplish and nobody's going to remember us and you know all of the crap that we think whereas whenever you get to late 50s 60s you're like eh, whatever it's right there it's not that bad well th- but that the other thing that the reason she was saying that is because um she said you know at when you're younger when you're our age we don't think about death. Mm-hmm. And so we don't think about what matters most in our life. Mm-hmm. Whenever you hit this age, yeah. death moves into your attic and you start thinking about, okay, I'm not going to live forever. And I'm actually kind of see pretty closely like death yeah. walking towards me. So let me prioritize. What? Why am I caring about all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. Why, I should be actually caring about what truly matters in my life and do that. Right. And so you just do it because you're like, life is short. And so I don't have much time left. Let's just do the things that make me happy um, in what truly matter in life. And so that was what I mean by the podcast met me exactly where I'm at, because that that is literally the thoughts that I've been having of just right. I see these people. They have come into their own. They know what truly matters in life. So why don't I? participate why don't i act like that and act well, and actually do what truly matters in life and is pursuing all of this stuff and mostly it's like it's not about not working it's about doing what i love working in what i love and um not participating in you know it's kind of like now how do i reconcile these Mm -hmm. thoughts with my thoughts on Mm -hmm. um materialism um 
you know, and all of that type of stuff. So right. I'm like trying to reconcile the, you know, basically like two or three or four or five different thought pathways right and be like okay now if i take that down to where i'm at how do these all reconcile with each other because some of them are almost seemingly like opposites kind of yeah i think that's the thing because it's not and we've talked about i I mentioned this the other day that like learning from you know these people who have gone before obviously is what we should be doing and there are insights that you can take away but then for me the question is but they have already built their career they have already you know whatever so i don't can you like that that's my question is is that actually achievable to take what they know and apply it now Mm -hmm. i don't know if it is or not because i we still haven't you know built our career or whatever like maybe it's not important to build a career necessarily. It's just that work is important, which is a completely different conversation, you know, like career yeah. versus important work and whatever, whatever. But I I almost wonder if it's even achievable at age 30. I don't know. And then I think like I told you a couple of days ago, like there's a, there's a certain piece of me that like really, like I just don't care about anything and I just want to like disappear and go sit in on the ocean and like work at I don't know a little bookstore or something and like you know just do my thing and like call Mm -hmm. it good but then there's because doesn't that it sounds so peaceful and like I'm tired of like being so anxious right and but then and who's to say that isn't a worthy existence? Oh, it's totally a worthy existence. I mean, Mary uh, Mary Oliver, the poet, like she has a, a poem that uh, the last line of the poem, I think it says, uh, what What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody uses that quote to like encourage you to go out and be more and do things and whatever. But the truth of the matter is that Mary Oliver decided with her one wild and precious life to live in the woods and look at flowers every day. That is a worthy existence, right? But the question I have when I think about like, oh, I just want to like go away and disappear and do my thing. My question is, am I bowing out of my potential, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I keep asking myself. Well, but is that just like, you know, kind of like shrinking back? Is that like, you know, letting them win, you know, I don't, I don't know if it is or not, because then my question is, well, who's to say what my, who is even defining what my potential is? Mm -hmm. Like I am not the world. Why? You know what I mean? So there's like all of these different existential questions that like, I don't even know if they're capable of being answered yet. Right. You know? And you just like, also it's like bowing out of my potential. Okay. My potential for whom? My potential for exactly, what? Like, it's like, is my, because my potential in America is different than my potential in France, is different than my potential in Zimbabwe. Is different like, than your potential to your friends, is different than your potential to you. Right. Like it, that's what I mean. Like I, I don't even know if it's answerable, but I think that's kind of the question that I have in all of this is like, okay, if you, you know, choose, and I have it for myself too. I say, I'm saying you because we're talking about you. But let's say you choose to not pursue a career path per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just like, 
I want to pay the bills and like chill. Pursue a life path. Right. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, by any means. But my question is, is like, for you in particular, would you even be happy with that? I don't know. And your skill set, like your your creative skill set, your business skill set, your personality skill set, all of it aligns in such a perfect Venn diagram that I feel like there's something there. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. I think there's something more than than just like living in a town on the coast and calling it good. Not that you, not that that's wrong, but I I just I feel like everything, all of your skills come together in such a perfect way that it seems like maybe you would be bowing out of some sort of potential. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I do feel that way. I mean, mostly I just think about. That I, obviously I see that I agree, and I think okay I have all of these um, skills and talents and abilities that all you know sometimes you have these skills talents and abilities and you're like how the heck do I use these together Yeah, all of mine are like oh it's very oh, obvious how you this use them is together. how you use them together it's like it's perfect like you yeah. have these these skills and you can do all these things but it's like whenever I look at that and put them together okay but how do I use those skills right in a way that one creates income for me and my family right to you know to, sur- live. to live and more than survive right. to you know because one of my major uh well nobody like, wants to just survive right but also like i feel like innate in me and one of my major pillar cores of life is financial freedom a hundred percent and living in financial freedom requires one to live below your means but also have means in general um <laughs> And so it's like, one, how do I create means through this? But then how do I create means without feeling like I am doing more harm to society than good? Like, I don't want to harm society for my own gain. Right. And you definitely, I mean, I definitely think there's something about like being true to who you are because that, that does create change. You know what I mean? Like... I hesitate to say like anybody who just goes along, but I I saw this like thing on Instagram, I think, or something, somebody made a chart and it was basically saying like, don't forget that you can make art that doesn't just go along with what's popular. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that that's true. Like, I think we get a little confused today in today's world about like that art doesn't always have to be what's trendy and in fact, art that isn't trendy is usually what changes things. Right. And I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be a person who who doesn't change something, you know? Like I I don't want to like live my whole life just like even if we do, you know, figure out a career path or whatever. I don't I don't want to live my life just like without it meaning something. Even if it is art. But meaning like, something to who? to me, to the world, to something I feel is worthy of something. I mean, you and the world are completely different. No, what I, I mean, what I feel is important that, that the world needs. That's what I mean. Okay. I don't mean that what the world deems important. I mean, what well, I feel no, I is just, important yeah. to the world. It's more so like, who are, you, who are you trying to prove to? Like, I'm not really trying, I don't, 
Like if you're looking for like legacy in the world remembering your name versus no. like doing something that at the end of the life at the end of your life you are satisfied in knowing that what you did, what you created fulfilled you. Right. I I mean definitely, but I think that what I want is for whatever I do to be important to the world. Not not to the but like I I think what I want is to have what I create be something the world didn't know it needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the point of the of an artist is to like point things out and to ask questions and to like go against the status quo because that's the only change that's ever made. And I feel like, yeah, that's that's what I want. Is ultimately is show is showing five people. Um, what they didn't know they needed in the world, in their world, as important or as fulfilling as what you just said? Um, Because you said you want to show the world something they didn't know they needed, right? Yeah. What if you, if you showed one person what in their world? Yeah, well, I mean, I would like to say yes, but obviously we have these, in, in America, we are raised to understand that you know, the more people you reach, the more important you are. And that's not true. But I mean, there is that little bit of me that's like, well, I mean, it wasn't that important if only one person cares. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Even though I know that's not true. So that's just a different fight mentally. I mean, because I would think about just, well, what is actually more like. But I also. Like what's more important is is, um, creating deep lasting generational change in one family or five families whatever right. it is is that more or less valuable than creating a uh so there's a book sitting on the table right now so kurt vonnegut you know he has yeah. influenced many many people but has he influenced many 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 people in deep ways and yeah, and, I, I, and, say, I, yeah. and i don't mean I'm not saying that the answer is no but i mean like i know what you mean generational deep change yeah i think I think both are equally important, and I think there's a lot of people on the planet for different purposes, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe mine is something that I I don't wish it was. I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. And that's not to downplay great literature or great movies or great anything. Like, I think that those bring, like, there are... There, all of those mediums have brought change to my life. I mean, I list, literally the conversation we have is in part due to the fact that I have read books and in part because right. I've listened to podcasts and I have started to have these questioning thoughts, which is going to bring change in my life, which means that that right. served its purpose regardless if I changed in the way that these things, you know, right. intended. They still brought questioning. I it think- still brought, brought searching for what I truly want to live yeah, I think absolutely there are different, not different levels, there are equal levels of importance in the way that you create change. I don't think any one is better than the other, except for that society tells us it is. And so like you have to fight that mental battle. But if I'm just thinking about like what actually inspires me, it's the great literature. It's the the people who have written the things that have reached lots of people with just one simple question it's not Mm -hmm. even you know something crazy or deep or whatever it's just one simple question that somebody asked you Mm -hmm. know 
and that like sets off a whole chain of events that's that's what i want and i i don't know if that's going to be me or not because we live in a world that you know <laughs> things don't happen how you want them to all the time but like i don't i i don't know i think that's the kind of change that i would like to create yeah it's just like asking simple questions and like hopefully people realize that it's a question they didn't even know they should be asking mm -hmm. one thing moments ago we were talking about people at the end of their life and that is another thing that i've thought about a lot and i've actually voiced that a lot too mm -hmm. is if you look at people who are on their deathbed yeah and they talk about regrets the regrets never revolve around working harder and we know that but we still don't listen they're like Nobody is sitting there dying like, and man, saying, I wish I spent time in the office. I wish I would have worked harder on that thing. I wish I would have got the corner office. I wish I, my career would have gone up that extra rung. Like yeah. nobody sits around thinking about that stuff. If in, in, in most the time, or not most of the time, I would say in more likely, yeah, they are talking about the exact opposite of that as I wish I wouldn't have cared and pursued so much time in the office and right. doing all of these work things to try to, you know, get a leg up to get a step up because there's money will no longer help me. I am right. dying and I am Nor does at it the help end of my get life a relationship with your children. Or right. Whatever. And so the things that they truly regret are relationships, you know, whatever you want. Mostly relationships. Regret in relationships of not. Um, going deeper, not forgiving, not um, you know, time. reconciling, not spending the amount of time that you know relationships should have, and not getting out, not having experiences. I would, yeah, I would say it's kind of surprising how um, how much regret revolves around like not having fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We waste, which we've talked, I think we've talked about this, but we waste so many of our good years worrying about which <laughs> i'm talking to myself here worrying about so many things that we can't control that we don't actually enjoy anything when we're like 25 30 35 40 prime years to mm. be out doing exploring trying all kinds of crazy things and we're like well but I better, you know, sit in this office and save up for retirement when I'm 60 because I don't know what's going to happen to the market. You know, who cares? Like, mm -hmm. you're 35 now. Why? Why are we wasting it? You know, like it. It makes no sense. To yeah, me. yeah, it's all. It's all a fear-based mentality of, of fear of the future. Yeah, and it's not that you shouldn't plan for the future. No, I'm not saying I am a responsible individual. I care about you know a certain dollar amount in my savings and things like that. But there is, I think. <laughs> With all things in life, this is what I say. There's a happy medium in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, and I truly believe that there is a happy medium in most everything. Um, so another thing that I've been having a um, existential crisis about um, in, in it, I guess, wrapped up in here. Here's another thing <laughs> that <laughs> I've been thinking about. Here's the 12th one. <laughs> yeah. Is, okay, so the concept of time essentially and part of this the podcast the ted radio hour of um time i would highly recommend after listening to this go listen to that shifting time um one thing that really brought language to what i was feeling is okay so we moved to new york and we and we we talk about um you know the pace of life we just love yeah. how fast paced it is like it's so like it's it's going it's you know snappy you know it it's is energetic it's energetic it's, it's all this stuff okay um well, I guess first, would you say 
time mm-hmm. is real? Is time a construct that we have put on our world in order to like wrap our minds around it or mm-hmm. in general, like is time actually real or is it just a, a measurement of man? I think maybe the older I get, the more I think time isn't real or at least it's not what we say it is. Mm-hmm. I really do think, I mean, because even if you just think about like, okay, the fast paced here, everything here is so much faster. And then, um, and you never have time. Like I always run out of time because I, I just don't even know where it goes. And then I go home to Oklahoma and one day is like 12 years. Mm-hmm. Like, and legit, it feels that way. Like, oh, where were we? Oh, when we went to Cold Spring, New York a couple of weeks ago for your birthday, it was like, it's a town of like 1400 people, literally the quietest thing you've ever heard in your life. And like, we were just walking around and we had to be at the lunch place in like 45 minutes. I didn't check my phone one time because I just knew we'd make it. Like <laughs> there was just like no construct of time there. Mm-hmm. It's like, just feels like you have the whole world, you know? Yeah. And if you think about, um, so one thing that is the fact of life is that time speeds up as you get older. Yes. If you think about when you're a child and how slow yes. life is, like, summer lasts for years mm-hmm. um you know versus now we're like where the heck does summer go yeah um time speeds up but it's also situational in my opinion mm-hmm. and also let me ask you this question if i was to say would you like to live 25 percent longer Yes. Your lifetime. Would Obvi- you like to live 50% longer? I mean, obviously, I would say yes. So not in a literal sense, but I was just thinking about this today. Yeah, I see what you're... We choose, you know, New York City. It's in, mm-hmm. in these big cities, bustling places, and it's like everything's so fast. We want everything to be so fast. Our days go by so fast. We have this one short life Mm -hmm. why do we want everything to be so fast stretch it out as long as possible why don't why don't we wouldn't we rather go somewhere that time is much slower Mm -hmm. that our days are much longer Mm -hmm. um if you know the our seconds tick at a slower rate and we're we're actually able to sit with our thoughts and actually find meaning or whatever Mm -hmm. um instead of chasing fastness and mm-hmm. quickness and biggerness like all of these things it's like all it, it, it seems like the whole world is going that way and yeah. especially our nation is going that way that every we want everything to speed up yeah and, well we are an impatient right and, and i understand like th- there's one thing to say like speed up so we can get more done in one day but yeah. also that makes the day go by faster like in new york days go by really fast. I mean, that's what, that's why they coined the phrase, the New York minute. Yeah. Because the New York minute is so fast. Yeah. Um, versus the, I don't know, like Boise, Idaho minute or something. Yeah. I've never been there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're just assuming. I yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, middle of Montana minute, right? like a Montana minute. There you yep. go. That actually, yeah. You know, a Montana minute is going to go by so much slower right. than a New York minute. And yet we like want to live in this fast-paced life where our well, life is just zipping by and our summer goes by before we know it our year goes by before we know it yes. our decade goes by before we know it wouldn't we rather well my sit in a place or go to places live in places i don't know that 
time goes by slower so we can actually, I don't know, live metaphorically 25% longer. Well, I mean, my automatic assumption would be, well, we're just trying to get to the future, right? Like we always, we have this idea in our head of of what our life is going to be. And so that's what we start, um, that's what we start like pursuing when we graduate high school or college or whatever. And so anything that can speed up that process, that's Mm -hmm. what we want. Right. Like, yeah. I, I think I, even if it's subconscious, there's a little bit of that. That's like, that's why we love the fastness because we feel like we're getting somewhere faster, but you're really not. I mean, you're not right. Well, I, or I would maybe say you are, but I would say you're, you're going somewhere, but probably not the right places. Maybe. I don't know. Not, not And obviously those um are all speculative and all based on oh. my own understanding of the world well but, we said at the beginning of this podcast yeah. no answers <laughs> right i yeah i don't know i mean i just think that th- these are just the questions that i have been having yeah and also i guess another um uh caveat of of this whole conversation is that people change absolutely it's just the fact that like this is what i'm feeling right now yeah and i'm sharing this because this is process and i think i mentioned last week that my my art right now is sharing process Mm -hmm. um and so this is the beginning of me changing or in some way i'm definitely changing but i i don't know what it's going to lead to right like which is i think fun yeah i think i think that um i i wrote this on instagram but like we get a little nervous i think sometimes when there's like a lot of change or well what i said is whenever you don't feel like yourself anymore everyone's like too scared to to not feel like themselves they're like oh my gosh who am i I, which i feel that way too but it's not a bad thing to not feel like yourself i think that just means you're becoming who you're supposed to be next because we are not ever one person from the time we're born to the time we die we are a million people we are right. multitudes you know and like i think just shifting your perspective from like you know existential crisis i don't know what's happening everything's falling apart life is over mm-hmm. even though it still feels that way shifting your perspective to i don't know i'm becoming someone new let's see let's see what's out there might be fun mm-hmm. you know like i think is a really healthy or at least a perspective I've been trying to adopt more. There's actually a uh, a metaphor that they talked about in the Tate Radio Hour podcast that I'll share that goes along with this. And the fact that he was talking about um, how we never think we're going to change in the future, mm-hmm. but we see that we've changed in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're so grateful for the change, too. You right. look back at your old 18-year-old self wearing whatever you were wearing. You're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I'm not them anymore. Exactly. You and know? it's like you ask a, tw- a 30-year-old, yeah. you know, how did you change since 20? And they're like, absolutely. How much are you going to change when you're 40? Like, I'm ah, probably not very much. Yeah. Ask a 40-year-old how much you changed like when you're 30. And they're like, oh, that's so much. How much are you going to change when you're 50? Like, eh, probably not very much. Mm-hmm. It's like, you you know, we always change and we always change more than what we think we're going to change. Yeah. Basically, he talks about that and just mm-hmm. like looking to the future and thinking like you're not going to make decisions that, you know, change your life Mm -hmm. but he said like if you were to actually picture yourself driving down a road and the road dead ends and you have to go left or right are you just going to not go or are you going to make a decision and go left or right right well making that left or right is you changing and you know it's it it may be 
also a small change, but that small change leads down a completely different road. Totally. I think I think a personal belief of mine is that the inconsequential, seemingly inconsequential decisions we make that we think aren't even actually a decision are the things that define our life. Mm -hmm. It's not the major, I mean, yes, major moves or travel or jobs or whatever. Sure, they change your life. Absolutely. But like you're consciously making them, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas like the inconsequential decisions that you make every single day, those are the ones that actually add up to your life. Share that thing you read the other day about time travel. Oh, like in, in time travel tropes, scenarios, people who go back in time are always so scared about changing something in the past that will affect um, the present. Changing something small. Changing something small in the past will affect something in your present. But then when they're in the present, they don't think about the small things they're doing that will affect the future. Like we don't, and it's so true. Like if you apply that to like real life and not time travel, you know, like we do not think about the small things we're doing that have a huge impact on our future. I mean, eating healthy, that impacts I mean, I, that's a major decision, even though we feel like it's little, you mm-hmm. know, like it it impacts your lifespan and your health and your heart and your brain. And like it, it impacts everything. But we think it's nothing. We think like going and getting a cupcake is going to mean nothing. And I, it's not that's not to say you shouldn't indulge sometimes because I believe in enjoying life. But you know what I mean? It, like all these small, tiny things, how much Netflix we watch impacts our life because that takes away from how much reading we get to do it takes away from how much art we create it like everything we do has such an impact on our future and we don't even realize it Mm -hmm. we just pretend like it doesn't exist or we're taught that it doesn't exist i don't know that the only things that matter are like where you work and what city you live in Mm -hmm. those are the things that make you know yeah and who you know those are the things that make up who you are but it's so can't be further from the truth you know i do well apparently that's one of my soapboxes <laughs> got real passionate there for a second um one thing i wanted to share before we wrap up is i guess continuing on like sharing my existential crisis and my thoughts mm-hmm. is i as we were walking the streets yesterday yes. i just i just said it sometimes it's hard to reconcile or to like figure out mm-hmm. if I am crazy, yeah, or if I'm one of the only ones who's right. In just the fact that everybody who's around me doesn't see what I'm talking about, like right. in the fact of just materialism consumerism caring more about you know what truly matters in life as defined by those who are late in life and have found contentment in in putting that into our own life why am i i well i guess i feel like Mm -hmm. i'm one i'm the only person within my circle of you know people people that is uh, feeling questioning or looking at this and so it's like yeah just feeling like okay I figured it out. This is me and my life and others, you know, I have yet to figure it out yeah. type of thing. And then moving from that to like yesterday, I was like, maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe like Listen, I got it all wrong. 
there's this quote that I thought of the other day um, from Kurt Vonnegut that I thought when you did say like, am I the crazy one? I don't actually, I can't figure it out. Um, and it's called the, I, I think if you just Google like canary in the coal mine quote, Kurt Vonnegut, you'll find it. But um, he wrote it in a magazine and it says, I sometimes wondered what the use of any of the arts was. The best thing I could come up with was what I call the canary in the coal mine theory of the arts. This theory says that artists are useful to society because they are so sensitive. They are super sensitive. They keel over like canaries in poison coal mines long before more robust types realize that there's any danger whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's exactly it. I think for both of us, like we realize the danger the danger yeah the the unhealth in things and and now the question is okay well what do i do about that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think i don't think you're crazy i don't don't think that you are noticing like things with society that um aren't wrong like i i think they are wrong i just think that you know it's it's kind of like that canary in the coal mine. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason that artists are the ones who historically bring change, who ask the questions, who challenge society, who who forces it to be different. There's a reason it's the artists, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why. It's because they they see it, they recognize, they make connections and they find patterns and then they ask the question. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. So the... I think going forward, it's just, okay, well, what do I do with this information? Right. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's the question of, uh, you know, creating means. But then I think about, okay, how do I... It's like once you've uh, been enlightened, how do you now participate in it? You know, it's like... Right. E- I'm going to use this example and it doesn't apply to everybody, but I think it's still a good metaphor. It's like if you went to a slaughterhouse and you saw the mistreatment of chickens or something like, and you you like with your own eyes saw the suffering. Mm -hmm. How do you reconcile Mm -hmm. and go back to just flippantly eating chicken with no like thought about it? Like how do you go back into a system? You could literally ask that about, most of our systems in America. How do you still shop fast fashion right. when you've seen the detrimental effects it has not only on um, uh, the environment, which is huge, but also literal Human humans? Yeah, you know, like the, I, I don't. It's hard to to say like, well, I saw this, but I like this shirt, you know. Yeah. But the fact remains that people do it anyway. So. Mm. I think, yeah, it's it's an impossible or seems an impossible place to be stuck in. But I do think that you can do it. I think, you know, if we're talking about um, your skill set, your entrepreneurial set, your creative uh, set, your personality, um, and then, you know, this social change, enlightenment, whatever, these questions that you're asking – channel those questions into a documentary or something. Maybe it doesn't pay you yet, which that is the ultimate question, right? Like how do I do something different and provide means? But, and there has to be a buffer period maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But like I do think that there is a pop, there is a way to 
to do it. And yeah. maybe you don't know because you're the one who's going to make the way. I mean, maybe it hasn't been done yet. Maybe you're the one who's going to do it. So you have nothing. You have no rule book. You have no like, here are my 10 steps to success mm-hmm. that you can read, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but you definitely have the personality to make your own path. So might as well. Yeah. I think that all of that, like, I have no qualms or disagreements in. It's just like, while I'm feeling all of these things, I'm also wrestling with just the fact of the matter of purpose and meaning in life and is, is pursuing all of that stuff truly mattering in, not in the world, in my life. Right. Like in my life, you know, finding internal growth, internal process and and creating this life where I'm sharing with my local, you know, surroundings, community and family and like what is truly more rich, more valuable into me in the, as I'm finding right. life. And it's like if I was to live simply and like, I don't know, surf every day mm-hmm. and be one with nature and with, you know, my, you know, as a believer in God, like in, in like his creation as I am created and like all of these things, it's like, is that not more valuable? Well, the and, question is though, can you not do both? I mean, because probably, I don't know. Like here's, here's the only reason I, I, I say that is because you're not a person who, who doesn't care about the work you create. That's, that's not you. You know, and like it's not who I was. I don't think it's who you are. I mean, probably not. I don't not. think it's who you're going it's to be. Probably not. Because but. the alternative, right, is what going and getting a job somewhere. Yeah. Are you? You're not that person. No, I mean, I, I care deeply about freedom. Right. So, and with that freedom comes responsibility, and I understand that. But my my crisis is that. In that responsibility, how am I actually contributing to society in a way that I deem is valuable? Yeah, well, I think that that just comes with exploration. That comes with, again, asking these questions, exploring things, seeing if maybe it is a documentary, maybe it is, you know, I don't have any other examples (laughs) of Mm -hmm. a way that you create stuff that makes change. I don't know. But like, it's just it's just exploring and it's asking questions and it's not it's not getting too stuck on the answer I think because I think that I think that's where like anxiety comes from that's where the stress and the existential crisis comes from is worrying about the answer to your question instead of like exploring what the answer could be mm-hmm. because there's nothing wrong with like well, let me try this thing. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let me go over here and try this thing. Ah, that didn't work. Okay, maybe I will try and just surf every day and get a regular job and whatever. And then six months in, you realize I don't want a regular job. Okay, let's go do this other. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not. It's not like you can't try things. Right. I think at this point, the where I'm at in my existential crisis is the crisis is the questions. It's not even trying to find an answer. It's just that all the questions are happening. Yeah, but I do think... And then on the other side of that is knowing how driven of a person I am. Right. And thinking like, right now, I mean, literally in this moment as I am speaking, I would like to go sit on a beach 
and read great literature yeah. and that's it. Yeah. But I know But you aren't built for that. I'm not I know that that <laughs> wouldn't work for an extended that's period more of time. Of a vacation. That's I just need a, re- a respite from yes. you know everything. And so that's the way I'm feeling, you know, right now, but I know that because of my driven personality there's no way I could do that for like my meaning in life. Right. But then I think about is my drivenness mm-hmm. a product of the culture of which I am in. No, I I still go back to how you were when you were a kid. That I so many people forget about like how you are in childhood is who you are. It is if you like strip away the world, how you were as a child is who you still are innately. That's that's just the truth because when we were kids, we didn't know. We had no idea of social constructs and uh, obligations from parents and we 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 just were we were here we were being you know Mm -hmm. what you created what you were interested in all of what if you want to find a career path that you can find you can have passion in go back to what you were interested in when you were a kid it's there i promise you it's there and like you have always been the driven entrepreneurial creative kid you are you are obsessed with it in a good way i mean you fell into video when you were 12 years old and you made a video every single day for how many years Mm -hmm. years and years and years of your childhood that's what you did when you were five years old you were out there working with your dad like making that money and doing the things like you are that person the question is just how do i do that in this society it's not you you aren't that different you you haven't just you didn't become this crazy driven person because of what society told you you had to be you are a crazy driven person i fully believe that i i'll believe it for you until you believe it for yourself again I, it's not that I don't believe it. I do believe it. It's just how do I use my power right. for good? Right. That's the existential crisis, which, again, we don't have an answer for, and we probably won't have an answer for for months. The only thing that I've thought of is that my power, the, I, I worked in the local church from my senior year of high school until I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. My, I had purpose. Yes. In that, in the fact that every single day that I worked, that I created, it was for something that I deeply believe in, and that is sharing love. Mm-hmm. And sh- in sharing that love in within the, uh, I guess, the wrappings of, you know, Jesus and God right. and the Holy Spirit and just like in, in the church aspect, that was like, I'm using my ability to be an entrepreneur and my ability to sell to sell a life of which I think is worth living. Right. As I am away from that, and I think about if I'm going to use, like I'm naturally good at selling, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that you need to buy anything. Right. So how how am I going to use those gifts in in a way that that you right. know, pushes my uses my influence and pushes society into, you know. Selling a lifestyle that I, um, not that I deem worthy. It's more so well, that, that I you, can reconcile. You, ju- you like, believe in selling a life that it's not. It's it's 
because I don't want to say I'm selling a life that I think you should live. I, it's it's right. more so like one doing it without feeling like I am a fraud mm-hmm. and truly feeling like there is more deeper meaning to life than what most of us have fallen into. Right. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. But I think I think you questioning your skills and abilities is it's not questioning my skills I know, and abilities. I know it's not I have questioning full confidence in my skills and abilities. I just but have I don't have another wavering in confidence of whether my skills and abilities can ultimately be used for good. Yeah, I think that's crap. They absolutely can be. I think you are who you are for a very particular reason. I think you are particular for a reason. Like there's su- there's a reason that I have never been able to like see myself clearly or like what I'm here for. Never. You are so clear. There's a reason for that. That's yeah. all there is. And it's like in this podcast – I find purpose and I find meaning in what we are doing in the videos we create in the, uh, I find purpose and meaning in what we are doing now. Right. Um, I think that there were seasons that we were pursuing a formula of how to be successful Mm -hmm. as YouTubers, but I don't want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a filmmaker. And so the content that I'm scratch that the art that I'm creating (laughs) Now, yeah. I have, you know, find more deeper purpose right, and like meaning you're, you're in because I'm sharing your voice. Yes, story. I'm sharing yeah. process. I'm sharing like, and also I think that right now, especially with our videos, what I'm mostly selling is peace because I'm slowing everything down. Mm-hmm. I'm creating and sharing whatever, even if it is just sharing our regular everyday life or sharing something extraordinary, what I'm doing is I'm taking the sensationalism out of it mm-hmm. and sharing I'm I'm contemplation. Right. I'm I am selling contemplation. Right. That you we don't need everything to be so fast. We don't need everything to be so in your face. You can sit, you can think, you can relax. watch and relax and see something and enjoy it and cause thinking by not by not posing a, a particular verbal question mm-hmm. but through just the moment of of what it is right in not uh i guess putting um yeah just yeah the question there is no right question there is just question right that is what i like as as i'm moving forward in my art that is what it is yeah in this you know same thing with this podcast is just sharing like process and sharing thoughts and sharing ultimately i hope and I've, we've received lots of feedback that gives me life in this, in that we have given many, many people healing and um, confidence in, you know, faith or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those things matter. Absolutely, they matter. And why ultimately what I'm doing is something that I continue to do because I don't feel an existential crisis about that. Right. What I do feel an existential crisis is, is just how to actually create true income. <laughs> right, because it's like <sighs> it's like half our life in um Tulsa like we had the freedom that you wanted but 
in in the like finance aspect or, mm-hmm. or in like our lifestyle i guess aspect but it was missing like that little bit and we moved here and i feel like we found that other little bit like i i very much enjoy what we're doing and you know whatever but now it's missing the <laughs> the financial free like so i think you've found maybe different bits and pieces and now it's just like how do i tie it all together yeah it's like I have found over the last two years, I have come closer to truly finding who I am, mm-hmm. but have lost what to do with it or what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, Which is like, yeah. At least today. At least today. I mean, that's all I can give is that's how, I <laughs> yeah. mean, no, I mean, that's my whole belief system is like. I mean, next week's podcast could be about how I figured it out. I don't know. Yeah. But it could not be and probably won't be. Probably I won't be. But anyways. Um so yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, I basically, you are just living, I guess, just my quarter life crisis with me. Wow, we're all in it together, guys. I mean, I didn't really, I don't know, like never would have thought. With I would have confidently, never guessed that you'd go through anything like this. As confidently as I have lived the last decade of my life. Maybe it's good for you though. I never would just- have thought that I would have come to this i uh, wholeheartedly agree it's weird for me to see you like this actually maybe though it's like it has a purpose uh, outside of like how am i using my art for good maybe it's like okay let's break down not your confidence but like maybe there's some sort of something in there that you need to learn how to do moving forward that you couldn't do if you were always confident oh yeah do you know what I mean? Everything has a reason. Everything. I don't really know how to explain yeah. it, but it could not be the result that we think we're looking for. Could not be the actual result that you get. You know. Yeah, we're all on a journey, and we're all in process in some spectrum. Yeah. And this is where I'm at in mine, and I don't know where it'll lead. Yeah. Um, but join I do. us on Cody's midlife crisis. Yeah. Quarter life crisis, sorry. Um, but I do know that this podcast is over. Yes, we uh, went long. Thank you guys for um, listening and joining us um, on my journey in this process. Um, if you want to uh, join our Jensen AV Club, you can do that by going to jensenav.club, um, where you can get exclusive access to more art and deeper access to us as individuals. And also, mm-hmm. you help keep the materialism <laughs> away from our art because um, it allows us to continue doing this without having to worry about finding people to pay for it. <laughs> I mean, by people, I mean Sponsors. advertisers. Um, not that all advertising is bad um, if I believe in what it is, but yeah, I buy so few things. Again, it's hard to believe in, you know. Quarter life crisis right. is happening exactly. right now. So. All right. Um, we'll see you next week. Bye.